Welcome to the We Are All Needed podcast, a space where we together will inspire people to do something good. This podcast is for all of us that care. We care about how we spend our days, how we show up for each other and for the planet. I'm your host, Alexander Nash. I am many things as we all are, but the things I most proudly identify with are I'm an entrepreneur, a mother, business coach, athlete, and meditation teacher. I've roamed the impact startup world for over 15 years now, and I feel like it is time to share the stories of so many fascinating people doing so many incredible things. Together with the guests on this show, we will provide inspiration that no act is too small and that we are all needed. Let's dive in to this week's episode. Today, I'm welcoming Paul Dreisbach to the podcast. Paul has over 10 years of international football development and nonprofit leadership experience. He is the co-founder of Petricor, an organization in Cameroon building capacity, framework, and models of sustainable growth through football. He also developed the largest girl development initiative in Cameroon and runs a Division II club in the same country. Paul has worked with partners such as La Liga, Liverpool Football Club, SoCal, Portland Timbers, Nike and Adidas through his consultancy work mainly in the space where sport, purpose and profitability meet. In this conversation, we talk about acting on our dreams and creating space for others to do the same. The power of how sports can connect people and how the simple thing of bringing a football to a group of kids can create instant camaraderie and community. Hi, Paul. Uh, welcome to the We Are All Needed podcast. It's really nice to have you here. Thanks so much. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Such a such a great mission and excited to chat about what we're up to. Thank you. Um, and I always like to start this podcast with a question that kind of lands right on the topic that I like to speak about here, which is, you know, impact and how we can use our lives and businesses to do something uh, great. So if you got to envision the future in any kind of possible way, in any idealistic way possible, it could look however you wanted it to look like. What would it look like for you? Yeah. Wow. That's a big, big question. Um, the first thing I think that comes to mind for me is uh, where people have an opportunity and a pathway to, you know, act on the act on their dreams like the things that people really want to do and have a passion for but might not you know understand how to actually make it happen or think that they're not capable um you know my perfect future would be a place where everyone can at least try you know to go after their dreams or take one step towards that thing they've always wanted to do uh whether it's you know sports a podcast like this uh starting a business or even as simple as, you know, writing a letter to someone you've always wanted to, whatever it is, right? Like things that you've always kind of thought you would want to do, but put off for some reason. So yeah, I think the people that are doing things right now that I look up to in the world are doing that. So it's something I can learn from and hopefully more people could learn from a future where more people are doing that. That's beautiful. I think we sometimes forget that something as, I mean, simple and complex as dreaming 
about a future, it's actually not accessible to everyone, even though we mm -hmm. would like to think so. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's also very complex too and necessary to understand where we come from and our privilege and place in the world and and not taking anything for granted and using what we have for the betterment of the communities, the world, wherever we're working at uh, or, or who we're working with. Because you're right, a lot of people might not, you know, they might want to pursue their dream, but just not have the capability to finance whatever it may be to even do that. So yeah, a dream would be, you know, a world where people can have access to that, even yeah. if it's, you know, through education or whatever it might be. That's beautiful. So uh, with that said, can you tell us a little bit about who you are, where you are and what, what it is that you actually do? Yeah. Um, so I'm Paul Dreisbach. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm currently in Portland, Oregon right now. I'm based in Portland, um, which with my wife and our dog. And I'm often traveling though. So part of that is with, uh, you know, our nonprofit Petrichor in Cameroon. Um, but I also have a lot of consulting work around uh, women's football, grassroots development, um, you know, strategic road mapping for sports clubs and organizations. Uh, but I, I would say just kind of at the base level of who I am, um, I want to use what I've been given and what I've learned and what I'm always learning uh, to somehow help someone along the way, just like we've been helped in a lot of ways, just, you know, paying back in certain ways to help people get one step closer to what they want to do. So how have you always been a football player? Did you play from when you were really young? Yes, as you know, as young as I can remember. I mean, it goes back a lot to my why. I don't know, you know, what questions we might have today. But, um, you know, the whole reason was one of my first memories. Actually, I grew up in the Philippines. So one of my first memories was I remember going out uh, right in front of our house outside of Manila. Um, and I had a soccer ball or a football. And I didn't know anybody, you know, obviously I didn't know the language, everyone looked different than I did and, um, or I looked different than them. Um, but I remember dropping the football on the street and it didn't, none of it mattered anymore. We just instantly connected and became friends. And I knew that was something special as a kid. I just didn't understand all that went into that. I just knew that's, that's something special. And I wanted that to somehow be a part of my life. So now as an adult, you know, understanding the power of how sport connects people I knew that was going to be part of my life and so yes back to I guess the question I have always played football and some other sports you know I mountain bike and scuba dive when I can and stuff like that but football has been kind of that through line um, played in school university played at a low level in France for a year when my wife and I lived there oh, and nice. now I just play for play for fun and how did you, was it your parents that moved to, were you born in the Philippines or? No, I went when I was two years old. My parents worked there yeah, in the Philippines. So I, I grew up most of my childhood was there. And then when did you move back to the U.S.? Uh, for university. So um, like 18, when oh, I was 18. Wow. I mean, we, we had been back to the States a few times in between there. But yeah, I went to university uh, when I was 18 and straight into school. Yeah straight into school and so how i know your nonprofit is you is based out of cameroon mm -hmm. so where is the link the philippines america and cameroon is there an yeah, obvious link yeah not really there's a lot going on in my story sometimes too much um i met jordan cone uh, one of my one of my best friends and co-founder of petrichor um at university so we played football together um 
and became really good friends from then on. He actually grew up in Cameroon, similar to how I grew up somewhere else, um, and moved back to Cameroon a bit later after school with his family, and they work at an international school there. So, yeah, with with the the way football's developed there and some of the areas that are lacking some of the development. Um, yeah, he, he gave me a call because he knew I worked in that space too and we continued our friendship and started what Petricor has become today. Yeah. And what is Petricor today? And I have to also ask you about the name. Is the name from, because does it mean something with rain? Yeah, no. exactly. It's, that's amazing. You know, that, that's more than most people know. It's, it's way more than I even knew. Like, honestly, so the name is, is interesting. It's, uh, it's actually what happens when rain hits dry earth after a drought or after a very long dry spell. The first time rain hits earth, you can kind of sense that smell of when moisture hits dry ground of like growth coming. It's the, uh... like the sign of seasons changing um, and growth. So we chose it because of that concept of, uh, you know, in Cameroon, the talent, the potential, the leadership, everything's already there. Everything's there that they need. Uh, but we wanted to be that kind of catalyst to start a new direction of growth for where football can go and using the power of sport to do something different. Um, and it's it's a bit easier to say in French as well. And um, yeah, we wanted something unique. I mean, plus all the all the regular ones were taken at that point, like Hope Academy or whatever it else, right? Yeah. So just down to the to the logistics of it. Um, That's a beautiful true. name, though. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's it's definitely fun to be part of something unique like that um and our organization is a bit unique as well so um yeah it really fits with with what we do that's great so how would you what would you say is the reason why sports connect people the way it does it's probably the million dollar question yeah um that's a great question i wish i had a super clear answer to it i think sport is just one of many things you can do this you know, do a lot of these things we do with many things and many activities. Um, it can be music, reading, you know, whatever it is that people enjoy doing together. It's just having, I think, that common space where it doesn't matter yeah. uh, your demographic, your religion, race, language, none of that matters when you're in one place connecting over something that's, I guess, neutral, maybe, if that's the right word. Um, so, some of the concepts we work in a lot and some of the leadership skills and development can happen through many different things. We, we yeah. chose football. Um, obviously that's you know the most popular sport in the world. So it's a lot easier to connect uh, people through that. Um, so we have a bit of a head start on it, but yeah, still, still a lot of work to do. And how did you know that this was kind of your path or how did you get to the point where you figured out that you could, you know, marry football with something greater or something bigger than just a game yeah yeah I think um, like I said when I one of my first memories knowing there was something special about um, how sport connects people um, you know as I'm still learning but as we grow and, and develop programs we try to stay true to that concept of of just connecting people bringing people together to create better ideas um, structures programs relationships um, to kind of build a community in essence that isn't based on 
like I said, where you come from or, um, you know, how much money you have or what you look like, you know, creating that common ground where people can connect. Um, yeah, yeah. And like I said, I mean, sports just an easier way to do that. Um, but really staying true to that point of connection, I think is important. Um, and, and the reason why, right. Like how, how you can use that to, um, maybe help other people see outlets and pathways and even business opportunities that they may not have seen before. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of, I mean, younger people would resonate with that because I think sports is often seen as something that like we do when we're young and then you have to like start your real life and then you Mm -hmm. leave the sport thing to the side. And maybe that's been your passion for like the first 20, 25 years of your life. And then you, drop that and you have to start like completely fresh and I think a lot of people would love to find that connection you know how they can stay within the sports without being like maybe a presenter I mean it's a classic like being a presenter on like you know Eurosport or a coach for the -hmm. local whatever that there are other options as well I think is really um, really important to showcase and also like what sports does I used to be an elite swimmer and often people ask like, you know, was it worth it? Or like, what did you take from it? And, and all of that. But for me, it was like the things that the sports gave me that wasn't the actual sports. So like mm-hmm. I went to America on a, like a scholarship to a university. So I got like four and a half years paid, you know, school at a really good yeah, university. They paid for my food. They paid for my travel. They paid for my clothes. Like, yeah. I mean, that is amazing. And yeah. I don't think, and then now I have friends all over the world, you know, because you mm-hmm. you create a bond with people when you're in that together, that's very hard to yeah. break and you'll just stay friends forever. So it's like, yeah, it's not about the gold medal or that time or whatever. It's all the other stuff that I think is easy to forget. Yeah, absolutely. I, playing football itself is honestly like a very, often the smallest thing of what we do because <laughs> yeah. there's so much else that goes into it and all of these other outlets and and it's a difficult thing to communicate sometimes but so important um the fact that there are other outlets within sport because all of the kids want to be professionals right everyone thinks yeah. they're going to be messy or something yeah and uh you know really communicating that there are other avenues to stay connected to sport and have a career and what that looks like, you know? And so a lot of what we do is help, or at least try to help expose kids to things like journalism, communications, um, even the tech side as, as sports is getting so heavy into technology and statistics, um, you know, really just exposing kids to all the outlets and then, you know, they can do with it what they want. Now they at least know what's possible. Um, I mean, from, I mean, kind of back to the question of how it connects to my journey, I think I didn't always know. And I still, I don't know sometimes like where it's going to go or how it's going to look. And I just, I just know in my experience, what, like you said, what sport has taught me, Um, if we can help create those moments for other kids and communities, um, that's what I needed to kind of spark my imagination of what was possible. And so create those moments for kids, I think is important um, and really help have those conversations with with different people that want to continue in sport. And like you said, the lessons you've learned, like some of the best friends so far in my life have been through sport. Um, It's opened up doors to 
see the, I'm not a professional player at all, but I get to see the world through yeah. sport and use it as a way to help impact um, communities. And like I said, create those moments that, um, you know, sometimes kids need to take that first step into what that looks like in their life. Yeah. So how do you work specifically in your nonprofit in Cameroon? What, how is it set up? Like, is it an academy yeah. that you get to join or how does it? Yeah. So, so, um, you know, Petricor started out of a request from some friends in Cameroon that work within football. So my co-founder Jordan was coaching for a women's team in Cameroon, uh, as well as working at the international school, but he was coaching there to stay connected to the football sector and realized that there are a lot of gaps in between um, youth development and the professional game, uh, but also a lot of lacking opportunities for coaching education, um, you know, even basic business courses for local academies and clubs. And so when they approached him about helping them build a bit of strategy around it, that's when he called me and it's kind of when Petrocore began, but we, we wanted to help build a bit of a framework for something they could work with um, we didn't know if it'd be a month or 10 years. We just knew they asked us to do something. So yeah. we wanted to be responsible to that. Um, so, you know, that was back in like 2016 or something. Um, we, we set up the nonprofit in the U S as a nonprofit and applied for our license in Cameroon to have a separate organization there. So there would be kind of partnered organizations through a MOU. They're, so they're technically two separate entities yeah. with an agreement of how they work together. Because uh, our whole goal was to answer that question, help create some help create some structure and some framework that then um, our colleagues in Cameroon could run with down the road without us. Like we didn't build this for us, you know, build anything around me or my co-founder. We wanted to um, help provide some of the solutions and then bail out in a responsible yeah. way. Like, because it's not about us and, um, so with that said, Petrocore, it's an association, so it's not an academy. We don't have a, a selection process and put anyone inside of a no. exclusive environment, nothing like that. I mean, that model is a very traditional model of football academies and sporting academies Yeah, that can work in some places. And sometimes it's necessary. We wanted to create something that's a bit more accessible to everyone, um, and help build a structure that the entire ecosystem has access to, um, as opposed to an exclusive program. Um, so what it is, local clubs and academies apply to be a member of Petrocor, of our association. So that could be a grassroots club in the community in Yaoundé, Cameroon, like with 10 kids, doesn't matter. Yeah. Or they could be a, or a professional club. You know, it, it can be whoever wants to join has to pass a a very kind of low bar qualifications to join as a member. And as a member, we, our goal is to really meet them where they're at. So um, if they need help with technical stuff with FIFA, or if they need help with, um, you know, child protection policies or coaching development, whatever it may be, we, we act as that kind of supporting association in the background to help elevate these clubs to where they want to get to. Um, and those look a little different based on their goals. But our goal as an organization is that someday these clubs are sustainable on their own. Yeah. And we've kind of helped helped play a part in a little boost, kind of helping them get to that spot. Um, so that's kind of the basics of it. With that said, 
Um, we have requirements of our members, which is building girls teams. So they have to start girls teams, women's coaching courses. Um, we have inter-club, you know, leagues where our members play each other, things like that. Yeah. Um, have a lot of different programs within what we do, but that's kind of the basics of it. Really exists there to help local clubs and academies get to where they want to go um, by providing some of that education, some of the framework, um, and even some of the basic stuff like equipment, right? So yeah. sometimes we'll help them out with just some basic equipment as well. And how do you finance that through, I guess, donors in the U.S. or how does that work? Yeah, to this point, it's been you know some really good partners in the states. Um, you know, a few international as well, based on some of the programs. Um, our our whole goal, I think, like anyone else, right, is to create something that is sustainable and um, isn't dependent on some of these, you know, sponsors that are a continent away without connection. So yeah. um, to this point, it's necessary, just like a business startup, you know, you have your, your startup funding, your Series A, whatever it is, you know, like yeah. you got to get started. Um, but our goal um, in the end is to have, all, all operation costs and anything else um, coming in in Cameroon or within within Africa from our staff there. So uh, we've gotten two uh, local Cameroonian company, companies that sponsor what we do in Cameroon um, so far. And which is, it's not a lot, but um, the fact to that start. it's working now with a youth league primarily focused on girls. Like if you know anything about that space, it's, that's a difficult thing to do. Um, yeah. Bring in partners uh, for something like that. Um, our biggest thing coming up is building a field with some classrooms and a locker room and, and all that, which will then become kind of the primary uh, revenue stream for Petricor in Cameroon uh, that will kind of help fund all the programs moving forward. So yeah, up to this point, it's been kind of funded by some some corporate partners, um, some personal partners as well, yeah. um, with the long-term goal of this thing running on its own. Is this something that you could replicate like in another country or another setting, or is it very specific to the context where you are at? Um, I think, you know, absolutely. It, it could um, be started somewhere else. I think um, kind of our approach is, you know, if it's absolutely needed, you know, we might do that, but we, we're not, we're not interested in um, starting something that might already exist somewhere else or that's close to something else that exists yeah our our kind of growth model would probably be you know if there are ways we can add value to something that already exists there that's our primary uh focus um if it doesn't exist at all you know we might be able to come in on a consultation side you know to help get whoever it is up to speed on what needs to happen there um yeah i think maybe to a fault but you know we're we're so I don't know how to say it really. We're not as attached to our own brand or name or um, I think pride that's a good in, thing though. in our name in a way that that hinders growth. Um, and I think that that has really helped us in the long run of like, we're not in it for that. We're not in it yeah. for us. We're in it to help answer the questions that a community might have. They don't have a question. We don't need to be there. No. They have a question and need something. We'll do our best to do it. Um, as far as growth, though, um, I think that, and I've already been doing it on my consulting side, so that's been a lot of people reaching out that are already doing great things. I learn from them, and they can learn from us, and let's kind of blend the two um, together into something that works in that context. Because what we're doing in Cameroon, 
I think there's some great lessons that could work somewhere else, but that exact model, it's not, I don't even think it's appropriate to just stick that somewhere else and assume yeah. it's going to work. You know, it needs to fit the context. And so whatever that looks like, we're, we're happy to chat and um, work together with people to create something that works. And what kind of work do you do with your consultancy? Yeah, a lot of it's similar to what we've done um, in Cameroon, to be honest, which is, you know, really, I, I think when I when I look back at what my role in the organization is and how it's changed over the years, uh, it's a lot of partnership development, a lot of kind of strategy and, and building programs in a way that's a bit different um, while understanding the context and what's needed there and the re reality of what will happen on the ground. Because a lot of people have, including us, you know, big ideas or yeah. a big goal or this is going to happen there, or that's going to happen there. And um, understanding the reality on the ground and um, what actually happens and what doesn't happen and, and how to remedy that, I think is a unique skill set. So um, using, you know, the past, I don't know, seven or eight years now of experience working in West Africa um, and within football specifically, has really helped open up a lot of doors in the consulting side um, with organizations similar to ours that might need help with a certain project um, or even some of the larger capital groups in Europe that want to get involved in Africa but aren't necessarily sure how to do that and how to do it in a um, responsible way um, or how to go into a current situation and help sort out something that has not been set up right, if that makes yeah. sense. So can I go in and help redo a little bit to make sure that um, everyone's happy and they understand what's going on. Um, there's often a lot of missed cross communication. So um, yeah, I guess a lot of it's more kind of strategy um, communication between we between different people and help building programs that um, everyone's actually happy with instead of just being told what to do. Yeah. Cause you have some, you've worked with some partners in Europe. Have you, I think you've worked with someone in Sweden even, is that possible? Um, so we have a, we have a relationship with um, Forza football. Um, we've chatted with them a few times and we, I, I helped host their panel um, at a summit in Sevilla. So nothing really official yet, but we're very, we're very aligned in what we're doing around women's football. Um, some of the European sides more based around um, speaking at a few different events. Um, we've, we hosted an event uh, in the UK at Arsenal. Um, and then we have a really, really great partnership with La Liga out of Spain. Um, so we're often there and working through different, you know, challenges around, um, you know, grassroots development, sports impact programming, and what does that look like around the world? So, yeah, a lot of our partnerships um, are kind of based out of Europe, but a lot of the actual program implementation is usually uh, within Africa or India or, you know, where, where those programs actually are happening. Okay, that makes sense. So I obviously have to ask you, do you have, a, you obviously have a favorite team? Yeah, I mean, it might not be what you want, but it's, so first of all, um, it's the Timbers here in Portland. So I live in Portland, so our local team is the Timbers. Um, yeah. So I follow them and the Thorns here, the women's team does a great job. Um, it, I mean, then you got to get specific, right? So there's so much going on in Europe. So each league, I kind of like different teams. Um, in the UK, it's Chelsea. Unfortunately, they're doing horrible right now. Yeah, they're not. Um, but I remember time. watching them. Been watching them since I was a kid. Um, 
Yeah, so you kind of got to pick which country, then I, then maybe I can answer. So I was, who, I was at, yeah. Go ahead. Who's in Spain? Who, who's your favorite Spain? Spanish. Yeah, I mean, I would say Real Madrid, just because I, again, I grew up watching them, um, but it was really the only Spanish games on TV at the time. I was in the Philippines, so even if you were to see something, they're probably when they show the biggest teams. Um, but now that now that I know a lot more about the different clubs and their stories, um, I really enjoy learning more about the following and the community support around some of the smaller teams, even in some of the second and third divisions. Um, but again, I mean, I, just because we had a random connection to a club in Valencia, I've been following Valencia a little bit, Spain, but again, yes. not doing too well. I've got a bad record of my team's not doing too well right now. They did pretty um, well there for a while when they were like up. Weren't they in like a premier, at least the last, um, I mean, in Champions League, like the last four teams? But that was a while yeah, ago. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's been a while. They, they've had a really strong run a while back. And then lately they just had a rough time with yeah. some different club issues. Um, yeah, Valencia has been a good one. Um, in Germany, you know, there's there's lots of different ones. Um, I guess say Wolfsburg right now, just because you have some partners coming to Cameroon. So if they hear this, so I need to say, say Wolfsburg. <laughs> And what about well, Italy? Italy, mm, that's a good one. Um, let's see. Let us see all the big ones. I, I think I'll probably go with um, Parma, like an interesting kind of smaller club, just because of some of their some of the story around the club and um, some of the people that have gone through there. Yeah, Parma Calcio. I mean, it is very interesting. I remember watching a documentary about, I think it was Porto. There was a documentary about the history and the town and like, I mean, even certain buildings were built, like the whole town is like, you know, it comes from football somehow. Uh, yeah, centers around the club. Yeah, it's really fascinating. And I think more, most recently, the Beckham uh, documentary, I think it actually did a pretty good job in showing like the sportsmanship and like, Ferguson and like his you know I think it was uh I think it showed some good stuff I mean it was a bit harsh as well but I thought they did a pretty good job though in showing how how important the clubs are yeah for sure I mean there's so many different levels to football how it connects to the community the the fan base the support um the players themselves like there's so many different layers to it and you could get into that stuff really really deep and all day long um which i actually love to do and that that's part of um the reason i like supporting certain clubs is because you learn more about um the history of the clubs the players relationship to the community the club um, you know the family's connection to it within the community and and how it all works together um and how it can work together really well but also it cannot work well like so there are a lot of examples of both um and those are some of the lessons we we try to take and and learn from as we develop this, uh, you know, work around the world. Yeah, what's been your biggest surprise so far when you've been on this journey? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I'll say so. Two that that come to mind right away. Um, the first is I think how do I say it right? Basically, so if you understand how kind of the global football world works, you've got like FIFA over everything. And then each 
kind of continent has their own kind of association within FIFA. And then from there, they each have their federation member members, right? So in Africa, there's CAF, so Confederation of African Football. And then within that, you have each country as it, that's a part of that has their own federation. So in Cameroon, it's called FICAFOOT. That's the local uh, FIFA federation in Cameroon, uh, which is managed by CAF and then above that FIFA. Yeah. So um, I would say one of our biggest surprises, I, I kind of naively went into this space assuming we would get support not just not not financially necessarily i mean that would be great but just more support around what we're doing and why we're doing it um but the federations and and fifa have been our biggest headaches to be honest like they they cause so many problems for how we move forward the programs we build um yeah you have to be very careful about like stepping on toes different people's egos and it's just and i've learned that that's a similar problem problem around the world so um yeah that's been a big headache for us as far as you know we kind of naively assumed building development structures and models in this space would be a good thing and it is like we believe in it obviously um but as far as what does that look like in partnership with some of the bigger organizations and federations it's it's really difficult um so i think that's kind of one surprise i thought we would get at least a little more support even if it's more of just uh what do you call it like job and like support yeah or or, hey come out and see what we're doing you don't have to be part of it you don't have to give us anything just check it out like there's great stuff happening um so i thought that would be you know a little easier a little better um and i would say the second thing this is more recently but we've been working in women's football within cameron specifically now for seven years or so um And then building this project with La Liga for youth girls in the league for three years, a little little over three years. Um, So women's football has obviously grown a lot over the last few years, um, which is great and long past due. Um, I I thought it would be a little easier to get more support, uh, funding, media, partnerships, um, sponsors um, around what we're doing around women's football because we've already been doing it for so long. We have the data around it. Um, But I've been a little surprised at um, what you see in the media and the news and all the attendance records and sponsorships and all this stuff. Like that might look good and it's good for, for some certain people, but everyone else, it's not so good. Like even, even, even one division down from the top level of women's football or two divisions, you know, you often get ladies that, um, still have to work they're taking care of a family and they're playing on the weekend for free you know so yeah it's it's a there's a huge gap between what people are seeing which and i'm not downplaying what's happening i think the investment is definitely needed at the top um but without kind of a strategy around what happens underneath of that long term um it, i'm not sure what's going to happen right so i thought there'd be a lot more support kind of throughout the entire ecosystem um but there why, hasn't do you, been. why do you think that is? Why do you think there is the lack of support? Um, I mean, I think there is some, like there definitely are a few programs that are happening around, you know, investing in some of the grassroots space. Um, but it's, it's really in, you know, it's, it's hard to access. Um, it often goes to a few certain groups that it always kind of goes to yeah. uh, just because people are probably familiar with it. Um, similar to, you know, different sectors, whether it's, the water sector or education, whatever, you know, 
um, a lot of groups tend to work together just because they're familiar with it. Um, yeah. I think, I mean, specific to the space we're working in Cameroon and West Africa, I think it's a little, um, what do you say, like, scary is the wrong word, but um, people aren't sure. They're nervous. Like, they don't know how yeah. or where to invest in a place like that. Um, because they may have been burnt by a bad partner in the past or something. So we're trying to really help change that paradigm of, you know, there are great leaders doing great work that are professional, trustworthy, they're going places. Um, but unfortunately they're held back a lot by color of their skin, right. Or yeah. um, experiences someone else has had. Um, so I think there's a lot of uh, disparity between, you know, where the investment's going, how it's monitored, and honestly, a lot of that goes back to FIFA, right, too, because um, yeah. a lot of this connects with how funding can come in and how it can't and yeah. who controls that. So often the people that need it most aren't getting it. Um, yeah. So there's just the whole system itself is a little little tough. Um, and maybe it's just still so new, you know, like really developing the game, especially for girls like around the world. It's a hard cultural thing. Um, but especially in a place like Cameroon, it's it's a, the next level of how you have to talk with families to let their girls come play, um, you know, why it's important, showing them how it's important. Um, and part of it, too, might be like, I'm I'm a white guy from Portland. Like, yeah. so I need to understand me and where I fit in this space and making sure that um, I'm understanding where I fit and playing my part and not overstepping anything and um doing my best to be like as much of a part of the solution because I know like men have been a big part of this or the main part of this problem right so yeah. like how can I as a as who I am be a part of helping um changes for the better in the future and taking responsibility for that in a certain way um but also not going too far where it might take maybe a leadership position from a woman that has not had access to that like yeah. so being being aware enough to say like, when should I get out of the way? Um, or should I get out of the way already? You know, like, yeah. but just being cognizant of that. But I mean, it's a, it's a bit, you know, what's the hen, what's the chicken and the egg situation? Because it it's easy to say, oh, you know, the top level or the men's league, they make more, it seems like they always are, they make more money, they get more sponsors. It's like, yeah, but it, it's it's a little bit of a very surface level arguments you know they obviously got there somehow uh, you know mm -hmm. and they they got there by having support on the way up as well it's not like they just ended up there um and i find it i find it interesting because i have small i have kids that are eight and ten now and they're girls um they do more. I'm an individual athlete and my husband was a professional rugby player. Unfortunately, they only do individual sports, but their friends, uh, they play football. Like football is quite big in Sweden. I think it's, mm -hmm. it's probably the biggest sport, but when they're tiny, there's loads of girls. And then each year they disappear and disappear and disappear. And then when yeah. they decide, you know, first they play all together and then they decide to split them like boys go with boys and girls go with girls. And then the girls never have like a full team yeah. and then they don't like it. And then they can't compete because they don't have a full team. And then, and then they're like 12 and it's like all bad already, you yeah. know? Yeah. And it's like, how do you, how do you, you got to yeah. work there. Like the solution isn't just to give the national team tons of money. 
yeah it's kind of like that yeah, whole it's, chain it's a big it's a huge issue um it's complex in a lot of ways um each area and federation is you know i think trying to trying to address this um i mean the national team players and and all that they all need compensated and you know they need, need the funding and all that which is great um but like you're saying i mean with you know we're thinking like 10 years down the road great you put a bunch of money into the national team go to the world cup whatever that's great but in 10 years like where's this pipeline you got to build kind of the pipeline for that next generation and then the next after that um so with you know i'm just I just hope the bottom doesn't fall out of it a little bit. Like you've invested so much at the top that you haven't really built anything for the future. Um, and again, it's still very new. I think there are some great organizations and some people doing some cool work. Um, but I, I mean, I look at, I spoke with someone in, where was it? it was, it was uh, Moldova maybe, or I can't remember to be honest, somewhere in Eastern Europe, um, talking about the, the Federation had a, had a women's football strategy, partly um, in response to FIFA forcing them to. Um, so like, okay, we got, they're like, all right, now we have to do it because someone made us do it. You know, so they clearly, the first step is they didn't do it because they wanted to. So that's yeah. already a bad sign. Um, second step is they implement this strategy and are wondering why girls aren't showing up to these school games or anything else. And they realize, oh, there's no interest. And then they quit. And then they put yeah. the money back into men's football. And then they don't they don't actually sit down and think of like okay well why didn't girls show up why like why did anyone ask yeah. the question and try to figure this out um, so really getting down to you know a lot of it stems back to the families the communities the it's got to be a culture shift of the importance and really committing to a solution instead of trying one or two things and giving up um, and we see the same thing in in Cameroon a lot of these places where groups might try one or two things and like ah not enough interest we're out of here and it's like when you're building something new that doesn't exist it's going to take a while you it's know like to. you really got to commit to it and um you're going to fail and mess up and we we do often but we've done our best to really create a culture of learning and so often we can't learn unless we try stuff so um we're always trying to encourage our, our staff and our partners and whoever we work with like got an idea you think could help this situation let's let's uh build it out a little bit and go for it yeah you know, like there's a reason this isn't it, it doesn't exist here it's because it's hard and yeah. so are, are we going to be the ones that are going to at least try you know like so and you can't just give up after one or two things and um so i think yeah it's part of it too you really have to be committed to it and when someone's forcing you to do it, it the commitment doesn't last long uh -huh. um but if you're doing it for the right reasons, I think it allows you to kind of stick through some of those harder times and, um, you know, find find kind of that purpose and why you're doing it in those times. Yeah. And how, you know, when we often when we talk about like finding your path or finding your why, like you mentioned, or your passion, we always we very often talk about the things that we do and the opportunities we get. But there's also a lot of like no, like naysayings in order for you to stay on your path, what are some things that you've had to say no to in order to actually stay on your, on like on the track of your mission? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, hmm. uh, 
I, I think for me, I don't know if there's been as many things that I've just directly said no to, as opposed to me deciding what it's going to be, like if that makes sense. Um, yeah. So I was doing some other work in the past and we're in different industries and sectors and realizing that's not really what I wanted to do um, long-term. So I just knew at a certain point, I didn't know exactly what was going to happen or how it was going to work. I just knew I needed to just get into it, jump into Petrichor and this world full-time and just get in and do it. Um, and, you know, without pay, without anything, just like this needs to happen, right? And just do it. Um, so I think it was, for me, it was maybe not necessarily saying no to a lot as opposed to saying yes to what I knew I needed to do, if that makes sense. Yeah, change um, direction a little bit. Yeah, I, I just knew I didn't want to look back in five years or 10 years and wish I would have done something and knew I didn't do it. And like, I just don't want, that's not how I want to live my life, you know? So um, I knew it was the time to get in and do it. And I also understand that's a very privileged place. Like we, we had worked for a while to be able to save up a little bit where I could like, look, I'm taking six months off and I'm just jumping into this full time. Right. Yeah. And we're going to make this happen. You know, we're going to live off savings or whatever. And um, so that, again, that's a very privileged thing to say. And I recognize that. So not everyone can do that. Um, but that doesn't have to look like how I did it. I think there are ways to go after your dream, um, how how you can make it work. Um, I, I Maybe more specifically to that question too, I think there have been some partners or opportunities in the past that have come up that weren't in it for the right reasons. And we've yeah. said no, you know, like maybe some potential funding, um, some big brand partnerships and things like that, where we just knew you're not in this for the right reasons, you know, like we can tell right away, like this isn't where it's not worth um, compromising what we're doing and how we do it for that. Um, so we've gotten better over the years at recognizing values and alignment and how important that is um, much more than funding. <laughs> like, yeah. like we'd, we'd pick values and alignment any day um, over a big check. Obviously, you know, we need the money, but um, that only lasts so long. Yeah, but that value side right lasts way. a long time. Yeah. yeah. And how how do you make sure you take care of yourself in all this? Um, you travel a lot. I think you're passionate about what you do. I think sometimes it's almost easier to get burnt out when you love what you do than when yeah. you don't. How do you take time yeah, to yourself? A, it's a good question. I think I, well, first of all, I should probably do a, a better job at it, but um. Uh, I think for me, I have different outlets that just completely disconnect me from my day-to-day -day stuff. So um, I'm, I'm a big cyclist. So I race mountain bikes here in Portland um, or in Oregon in the summer. So it helps me like have a goal to shoot for with, I know I have to train this much to get to a certain race. So um, cycling is a big thing for me. It helps me just disconnect from everything. Um, so whether it's a hard day or a good day or whatever it is, five minutes into a bike ride, I totally forget everything. And I'm just in the moment. Yeah. That's, that's, great. that's it. So yeah. Um, for me, it's more having those things that really help you, you know, disconnect and just pay attention to things like your heart rate and yeah. breathing and things like that, that really connect you back to, um, I guess, humanity in a certain way, but um, Being also give your, give your brain a bit of a, um, a bit of a break from everything. Yeah. So what uh, what lights you up? 
mean mostly in life? What makes you happy? <sighs> makes me happy. Hmm. I know a lot of things do, but um, yeah, I would say when I see learning happen, or I see things, you know, when I see people learn and grow, including myself, um, I know some of those, some of those moments I've had over life, you know, where I, I realized something finally, or something yeah. finally connected and clicked, um, understanding what that means for me, and then helping be a part of that happen for other people makes it worth it. So seeing the kids come out to the field or play a tournament, um, and just seeing the smiles on their faces and realizing like, okay, today was a, a pivotal point for a few of these kids. And they're, this is it, like this moment that's going to change the direction of what they do in life. Um, I don't know what it'll be or how far that will go. Obviously not all of them, but I've, I've seen a few moments I've just watched, you know, the kids that come and play and yeah. I just, I know like, okay, something's happening in there. You know, they're, they're thinking, they're dreaming, they're realizing that, you know, they might be able to do more than they thought. Um, yeah. So providing that platform and the opportunity for those moments, I think that's where I find like, that's where my joy, that's what makes me happy. Um, that's, that's what makes beautiful. it worth it. Cause this is definitely not an easy space, right? No. So um, all the hard stuff and uh, long hours and, you know, all the stuff that goes along with it, you know, running an organization in a different country um, than where I live you know, being a part of those moments and seeing that is, is really what makes it worth it for me. That's um, beautiful. I mean, yeah. they, they often say that like all it takes for, for someone to grow confident in trying to pursue something is one person seeing them. And yeah. it only takes one person. And quite often that person is in a sports setting. And I think most, at least athletes that I've encountered always remember that one coach that like picked them you know picked them for a team or you know held an extra se session with them because they saw something or moved them up yeah. a level or like you know did something like tiny we all remember that one yeah. person that saw something in you it's worth so much yeah or I mean for us it's really just yes creating those those touch points but allowing space for kids to learn and fail and grow yeah. and still have belief like because a lot of these kids have these pressures of I have to score this goal or I have to do this 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 and it's like just at this age anyway like just go have some fun just go laugh and run around and have a good time and if you mess it up or kick the ball somewhere else who cares like you know we'll deal with that later if you want to get to a higher level but right now like let's just have some fun right so creating a safe space where kids don't feel the pressures of a tough life. Like they yeah. do every day in Cameroon. Um, they get of a bit of like me mountain biking, like they get of a bit of a space where they don't have to think about any of that. No, they they know they're be. there. That's their moment. It's about them. Um, obviously we want to help provide that for lots of kids, but the kids we can provide that for it's worth it. Um, and it's not, I mean, like, uh, yes, I'm kind of their coach. Like um, a lot of, I've, I know a lot of them. I've seen them grow up. So like when I go, I see them and we talk and all that. And it's great. But more and more what Petricor, you know, wants to do is help create those bonds with the local coaches. So yeah. like we have our staff and the coaches from their community. That's what we want to happen with between them, right? 
like we're a big part of this also, but um, one of my kind of favorite moments over the past few years was in Cameroon, I think last year. And the first couple of years, the kids, families would come up a lot and like take a picture with you, like, hey, Coach Paul, like whatever, you know, thanks so much, so good to see you, all this stuff. I'm like, yeah, you know, what's up, how's school, you know, do the whole thing. Take a picture, cool, you know, have a good game, see you later. Um, last, last time I was there, yeah, it happened a few times, which is great, but a lot of times, like, kids would walk right past me yeah. and be doing that with our Cameroonian leadership. So they'd go straight uh, to our, our leadership. They'd be like, oh, hey, Paul, walk by me and go do it with like our, our manager. And I'm like, this, like, that's great. This should probably hurt my feelings, but it doesn't. Like, yeah. this is what, this is, it's working, right? Like, they're finding their like joy and fulfillment by going and connecting with their leaders there. And for me, that, that means it's working because I'm like taking a step back out of this yeah. where I'm not needed like this is because it's not about us and so that was a big moment for me and I think that's a bit well I know it is kind of countercultural because a lot of people don't see it that way um and it is scary because I'm like well, what am I going to like when yeah. Patrick was gone what am I going to do right but it's not about me so I'm trying to figure out like how do we create that mentality throughout our staff and the culture of that mindset um into the kids as well. So, cause they're, they're so smart. These kids are like watching how this works. Um, so even how we present ourselves and deal with these issues, uh, talk about it openly and let the kids learn through that. Like they see this stuff. Um, so not being afraid to let them see that and um, make sure we're all accountable to that same kind of cultural mindset. I think it's important because some of these kids will see that and become these amazing leaders. And hopefully these small things are part of that. Yeah. And then on the contrary, what makes you angry? Yeah, I would say, okay, there's a few things. Um, I think the system itself is is really frustrating to me. I mean, how kids access the game, some of the old school cultural thinking about why and where you should be able to access it. And because of who you are, your family name, the region of the country you came from, whatever it is, like, when I see when I see kind of the system excluding people, that makes me angry. <laughs> like, because yeah. like we we should all have that same access to the game, no matter what. Um, and we're kind of building something that's pretty countercultural, so we get a lot of kickback on, on that, right? So, you know, or or finding out that this is happening within our own team sometimes, and realizing that this is a long-term systematic change that we're talking about instead of like, okay, this is how we do it. This is what we do from now on. Like, great. You can say that, but that's just, that's just like saying, all right, we're going to stop climate change from now on. We're not doing that anymore. Yeah. Like, obviously those are way different problems, but like the concept of like, you can't just change something like that. So realizing you have to like kind of take steps towards that and allowing space for leaders to change and grow. Um, But also having a line at a certain point that's not going to work you're out you know like we have our standards where we're not going to put up with that anymore um that's an interesting reflection actually because i was at a network lunch today and we talked about like stereotypes and how you know how we have these biases and how whether you know we're born with them or they learned from like a really young age and how they're 
really, really difficult to change. And mm-hmm. we kind of landed in that it probably most of them you can't change, but at best what you can do is people realizing that they have a bias and then they take a moment to, you know, to pause and then they don't act from it. Oh, that's so good. I'm going to use that actually. That's really good. I like that. Cause I'm wrestling with that myself, you know, cause I, you know, yeah. I have my own biases we all and do. how I, how I act and, and really being aware of that. I think sometimes the leader is even more important because you're more visible, but I really like that concept. Um, yeah, of under of first, yeah, understand what it is and then what you normally might do to act on it and how to change that. I mean, even something as simple as at the end of one of our girls' tournaments, we we had like the trophy, we were giving it to the team and they were lifting it up and taking pictures. But there was like some some random guy that was there at the tournament decided he's gonna go lift the trophy. And there's oh, all these really? girls, and I'm and I'm like. I wasn't even, I wasn't at the tournament, but I, yeah. I asked the guys later, I was like, who is that guy? And why is he, why is he even in the picture? He didn't yeah. play. Like, yeah. So there, but there's a, there's a cultural thing of if a man walks up, he might've been an uncle or something. I don't know. Yeah. Like there's the girls are like, Oh, you know, yeah, of course. Yeah. Lift it up. That's your thing. They're not going to be confident enough to say, no. get out of here. This is our trophy. You know, like, so um, really talking to our staff about like, look, these are the things we stand for. If you're a photographer, you need to be confident enough and we support you yeah to speak against those biases in a respectful way like say look man sorry let's get a picture of you after but for now we're going to do the girls they're the ones that are in this let them have their moment so like it can be even things as small as that um or even letting the girls speak or the kid because the boys are the same thing often they're overlooked like i'll ask a girl player eight nine years old whatever how what did you think about the game whatever and one of the parents or a coach or someone else will walk over and answer for her, talk to me. Yeah. And I'm like, I didn't ask you. Yeah. I'll talk to you later. Like, yeah. I asked her, I want to, what, what did she say? You know? And I often, I see that actually a lot. Like that's not just in camera. And I see that a lot with just culture in general, even yeah. if parents or a family, I'll ask a, or my nephew something and my sister yeah. will answer instead. Yeah. I'm like, no, like, just let her talk. I want to hear what they think. Like, and allowing that space for kids to know that like they have a voice and um, sure. It might not be perfect. I'm not perfect either. Like, so like letting them have that space to be a person and letting them know they're valuable as well. Um, Cause I think that goes a long way in how they go through life, knowing they're, they're valued and they have a voice and are important and that someone else doesn't speak for them. Like we want to create those spaces where they speak for themselves. Yeah, that's great. And it's something that the younger you are, when you can learn it, I think the better. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, there's a certain, that's something that I always appreciate with swimming is that parents weren't allowed close to the pool. So, and we were never allowed to go to our parents after a race. Okay. We had to go to the coach. And I think yeah. that's great. Whereas now my kids are doing track, I'm sure it's different everywhere, but they're doing track. And we have to run around there as parents. And I'm like, don't ask me how you did. Like, I don't know how to run the 400. Like, go to your yeah. coach. <laughs> like, I have yeah. nothing productive to say. Yeah, exactly. I mean, th- there are times for sure, you know, where, you know, it's great to hear from parents and leaders and coaches. So it's not, they don't have a voice either. But 
Um, no, but yeah, there's the a time and space of, for the, I think, yeah. yeah, I think you have probably different roles. Like the coach is there for one reason and the, the parent is obviously there for another reason to, you know, to show love and support regardless. Whereas I yeah. think it's more the coaches maybe role to come with feedback and, you know, suggestions and how can you improve? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that goes, there's a lot of different, you know, cultural things with all that as well, just like yeah. anywhere else. So um, there's a lot of, um, you know, nuance to that, but yeah, just the concept of, you know, providing a space where these kids, you know, can think about what they might be able to do someday and learn about how to communicate that. I love it when I see these kids on media, when there's like young kids being interviewed by media. Yeah. It's, it's so funny. I love it. You know, they're giggling, they're laughing, they don't know what to say, or they're too shy and don't say anything. Yeah. Um, it's it's so good for them to get those experiences early on. Yeah. Um, and I, I just hope that, you know, that, that helps change something you know internally for them to kind of process it is great though seeing little kids we were watching um i think it was america's got talent or something completely different it was a dancer a little girl she was eight years old and uh they asked and she was really shy and you know she wasn't she was just babbling about something but then they asked like what's your goal what do you want to do with your dance and she was like i'm gonna go to juilliards it was so like and you're like she was eight and she'd already yeah. i don't know it was so cute and so fascinating yeah love it yeah That's and she doesn't have that experience or, or that moment to share that like who knows maybe she'll never go i have no, no idea but it that doesn't, doesn't matter. matter in the moment that's not what it's about right then um have you have your kids been interviewed or talked like public speaking or, or their team or anything have you, have you i don't noticed think that? they have they no they have not been speaking they've been on stage one of them is a dancer so she's been on quite okay. big stages yeah um but not speaking no yeah it's always interesting to see um i mean i i still get nervous sometimes i think that's good though to really understand like you know who your audience is who the audiences think about how to communicate yeah. um yeah it, it's just i i love creating or being a part of helping create those moments where where kids are learning some of these skills that they otherwise won't get right this is this is their only shot at least in these communities we work with so um, that's true i guess it's part yeah. of of uh, maybe even a little bit more so in team sports and after games because i've seen because individual sports you don't get asked so so much necessarily after it's like oh how did it feel oh you know I ran fast or slow or whatever but with the teams it's a bit more because I've watched some old videos of my husband when he was playing and he gets asked all these questions and it's almost like he has I was like did you have a script and he's like no I'm just so yeah. used to like oh you know he goes like me and me and the boys fought really hard and then we did it yeah. like he has these things and I'm like how did you know what yeah. to say and he's like I've just said it since I was like so little so many that... times yeah uh, and I never yeah, thought about it can, that it can get a little bit routine um yeah it's funny I'll, I'll, I'll send you some videos of some of the some of the kids answering some press questions it's really it's really cute um you like that. it I'd yeah to see that well we're gonna wrap up uh we could probably yeah. talk for a really long time but to uh, finish off i have one more question that i would really like to ask and that's if yeah if you could give the listener one thing that they could do um today or tomorrow um to do something that you know was good for another person um or for the planet 
maybe using sports or something else, what would you suggest that they did? Yeah, wow, that's that's so big. I'm trying to think. Um, I thought I heard a quote the other day about this. Um, so I remember it. Yeah, I would mess it up anyway. I, I think um, the concept is more of like, at, at least myself, we have this kind of inner heartbeat of kind of why we're here, what we think about ourselves and where, who and where we interact with um, and something we'd like to see change. And so I think trying something out, taking a step towards that or leaning into that a little bit as opposed to away from it uh, really helps us learn about ourselves, whether that's, you know, starting a company or joining a course or a class or, you know, it doesn't have to be anything crazy or big. Um, but I think a lot of us have that kind of the inner dream or goal or, um, you know, something to we want to strive follow for. follow that a little bit, follow that curiosity yeah, towards a, it. Yeah, go towards it a little bit um, instead of away from it and think about, oh, I'll do that later. Or, you know, if this and this happen, then I'll do it. Um, there's never really a perfect time, I don't no. think. So, um, yeah, not necessarily to have to do anything huge, crazy, anything. It's just realizing that those small steps and those small moments, you know, yeah. add up to something and, and nothing big or great or impactful happens yeah. instantly. Um, so you got to take one step at a time and, and just taking that first step, you know, I think, or if you're midway through your journey, um, continuing to take those steps. Because yeah. it's not always easy midway through. Um, so yeah, I, I, it's uncomfortable sometimes, you know. And for all of us, no matter where we're at, just leaning into that a bit more of like, okay, I'm avoiding that, but I have to do it at some point. Um, and taking a step into it and realizing you're going to learn more about yourself and yeah. who you who you really are. And sometimes we don't always like it, but it's so important if we actually want change to happen um, yeah. to get into that a little bit. Yeah. That's a really that's a really nice answer. It's fascinating how how certain things seem to be much harder for us. Some steps seem to be so much harder than others. Um, how you know a career pivot or following your like following a nudge or following a curiosity seems like it's quite difficult. Whereas things like I don't know that are more societal like correct seem like we do without you know thinking too much about it like we get married even though we know 50 percent end up you know failing but we yeah. still do it but if someone yeah. told you like oh you can try your dream it's 50 percent that you fail people wouldn't do it but like you'll jump into yeah. marriage do you know what i mean it's these yeah yeah more, uh, like, we'll have kids. we want it like oh having a kid sounds cool like we'll have <laughs> it's kind yeah. of a commitment but then changing jobs Ooh, no i mean i don't know <laughs> Yeah, funny. I, yeah, definitely. It goes into that, yeah, societal stuff and some of the cultural pressure or where where you have your identity and what does that mean to you? And if you step outside of that a little bit, you know, like, what does that look like? Um, oh, this was, maybe this wasn't that quote. Well, I heard an interview about um, this concept and I'm still unpacking this myself. So um, I don't necessarily know how this <laughs> No, relates good. but basically as people grow 
um, and change and lean into what those steps are in growth. Sometimes they like, you have to join kind of a different community and a different crowd that's kind of yeah. in that space with you. People that are going that direction and challenging themselves and trying to become better. Yeah. Um, and with that said, there's often a group that's left behind sometimes yeah. that aren't willing to do that, right? So, and often those are the people that you grew up with or you are around all the time and are comfortable with because that's just who you're comfortable with. And there's, it's not that you have to leave them behind, but um, understanding what those changes mean and how you grow and where you grow and where are you yeah. going to put yourself to grow the best um, and how, how that relates to the game. We, we always like to say, you always have to be the worst on the field. Yeah. And meaning if you want to grow and be the best, yeah. you always have to be the worst on the field because you're going to learn to be better from everyone around you. Yeah. The minute you're comfortable and feeling like you've got this figured out, you got to take the next step to the next level and be the worst on the field again. So you're always growing and challenging yourself to be okay yeah. with learning and growing because that's what makes you better. So I think it's easy to say, but in life, you know, translating that into, okay, I'm comfortable right now. What does that actually mean? Does that mean you need to like, you know, take a step, try something, try something new, challenge yourself. Um, obviously, you know, a lot of people don't do it. A lot of people do. Um, but if you actually want some of these things, so I think a lot of people say, I want to do this. I want to do that. I'm like, all right, cool. How are you going to do it? Are you actually going to do it? Right. And yeah. you, you kind of learn who's actually going to be okay with learning and growing and failing and I have no idea where all this Petrichor stuff is going to yeah. go. I have no idea where any of it's like, I have dreams, right? But like, all I know is you got to take one step at a time um, and be okay with with experimenting a bit, trying some things, learning together. Yeah. Um, as long as it all impacts the community well, yeah. let's keep moving. Yeah. Um, and I, I think, think, I think yeah. sports is also a good, it's a good context for that because sports, it's it's like a safe, made up, ecosystem where you're allowed yeah. to fail like I was explaining this to my girls because one of them didn't run as fast as she wanted and I said like well if I think back of my swimming career like probably 90% of all my swims weren't personal bests probably more 95% of my swims weren't like failures so like you got to get used to it you got to love it yeah. because you're not yeah. going to succeed that many times but the ones you do are going to outweigh like everything yeah. else and if you're not in a sports setting I don't think you get so pounded with that because yeah the consequences are worse in like if you fail at school or like you lose your job so like all these things are yeah. obviously much worse than losing a game yeah it's a great it's a great lesson that sport sport can teach um yeah as you develop and grow and learn these things these concepts are yeah it's it's a great platform to use yeah whether it's swimming or football or even dance you know these different individual sports are amazing as well at some of the mental strength and fortitude um yeah some of those concepts are really important and yeah sometimes it's almost too much you know the place like Cameroon try to go too deep into that yeah. when the kids are just wondering what they're going to eat for dinner right yeah. so you have to also just get back Balance. to reality and and figure out okay you know let's take one step at a time but we'll get there yeah. um yeah, all, all, all like life-changing important stuff. Yeah. Well, thank you. It's been a lovely conversation. Uh, just lastly, how can we support you Can we in any possible way? Yeah, I think, I mean, just sharing the word, you know, telling people about what we're doing. Um, 
with Patrick Horn Cameroon with the the girls league and La Liga. Um, I can send you all this information too. Um, yeah, you never know, you know, who's going to hear about it and want to get involved, whether they work at a club or a company that wants to give back somehow. Um, like I said, we're taking, you know, some friends from Wolfsburg for big club in Germany. Um, one of our partners from the States is coming with me to Cameroon next month. Um, so you never know. I mean, there's, there's always opportunities for people to get involved in some cool ways. Um, and just takes the right person to hear about it. Um, yeah. So yeah, really just kind of exposure at this point is good. Um, we're working on really just sharing the message about what we're doing to more people. That's great. Well, thank you so much again, Paul, for taking the time. It's been a lovely conversation and I think we have inspired many people uh, and let them know that they can do some, something good. I hope so. Yeah. Thank you so much. It, it was, it was a great conversation. I appreciate it a lot. Thank you for using your precious time to listen to the, we are all needed podcast. And if you find the podcast valuable, please rate review. And most importantly, share this episode so that we can spread more goodness out there in the world. If you want to work with me, find out more about the guests or the community, please jump on over to www.thecircularentrepreneurs.com. Until next time.